Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, we have those new Apple laptops and, uh, and the iMac. The MacBook Pro M3 and iMac M3 have been reviewed at Engadget, and uh, we're going to have a special guest to talk about that stuff. Actually, we get a couple guests for this episode because Valve also announced a mid-cycle refresh of the Steam Deck. There's a new OLED variant that we're going to be diving into as well. Um, So a lot of cool hardware this episode. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com. So I think for the second time this year, we are looking at new high-end Apple hardware. That feels really strange. So joining us to talk about that is Deputy Editor Nathan Ingram. Hey, Nate. How's it going? Hey, Devendra. What's going on? Hello, Sherlin. Hello. Hello, hello, everybody. And uh, it it does feel weird to be reviewing a MacBook Pro again for the second time in a year, even though I think the last ones, the M2 models were delayed. So we ended up getting these M3s kind of all on time, I guess, with the with the new iMacs. Um, I reviewed the MacBook Pro 14-inch and 16-inch, and I will dive a bit into that. But Nate, I actually have not heard much from you about the iMac M3. Have you tested these newly uh, redesigned Apple iMacs before? And what do you think of this one? So I have not used the new uh, the new model iMac until now. Uh, so the M11 mm-hmm. came out in what, mid, early, early 2021, I believe. It's about two and a half years later now. Uh, this is one of the easier Apple products I've reviewed in a while because <laughs> you just plug it in. You don't have to test exact, the battery. <laughs> right. No battery tests, but also it's exactly like the one that you reviewed in 2021, except it has an M3, which is not insignificant, obviously, in terms of making it kind of more, uh, up to par in terms of performance. Not that the M1 was, was a laggard exactly. But now it's certainly current. Yeah, uh, there was no M2 iMac, and people were complaining right. about that for a while. Yeah, right. You wouldn't want to have picked up an iMac in the last like six months for sure, because uh, it was obvious they were going to have to update it soon, and they finally have. Uh, and I got to say, I do like the all-in-one lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is so nice and clean. Are you using it right now? By the way, Nate, I am using it at this Ooh. moment. Uh, obviously, not with its microphones. We use like a, a real yeah. mic for these but things. I will but... say better pe- camera placement than we have yeah. gotten from Nate uh, for our video call before because it's an IMAX, so it's a full ca- the camera the quality is top, good, right? Yeah, that's yep. cool. It's it's up it's up much higher than usual, uh, and that's all good. Uh, yeah, it's a good camera, I think, from what I've seen and what I've heard. Um, but yeah, it's exactly the same as the one before. Which again, like most of the stuff that they, they didn't need to change, like the form factor was great. Uh, the screen is great unless you want a slightly larger display, which some people do. Um, and I think that's a little bit of a bummer yeah, the, for, the dream for some people. Of the 27 inch iMac seems dead because Apple, mm-hmm. I believe, even told The Verge like they're not working on that right now. So, yep, that's what they said. Yeah. They said they're not working on that one. Um, the language was such that it could leave room for a, an even bigger one. It could it be was bigger. Specifically yeah. about, right. But I don't get the sense because like, the Mac desktop situation has improved a lot in the last like four years since Apple Silicon. You know, it used to be that. The Mac Mini was like a, a relatively inexpensive and, and perhaps underpowered device. And the iMac 
covered a huge range of things from like a 21 inch lower end model uh, all the way up to the big guy where you could get discrete graphics and pretty powerful processors. I mean, they, they tried an iMac Pro for a year and right. that was a yeah. huge mistake because we, <laughs> we reviewed it badly. The thermals were bad. People didn't like how you couldn't really upgrade much. Like they've tried many things with the iMac. Yeah. I didn't remember that the Pro was reviewed. Yeah, go uh, check out. Um, so go go to Indigadget.com, folks. Check out our review <laughs> of the iMac Pro. I believe Dana, our editor-in-chief, wrote a really good conflicted review about that thing. Because it's sort of like everybody was waiting for the Mac Pro, right? And Apple was like, right. hey, here's a better iMac. And, it was very yeah. much a stopgap solution, yeah. I think. Um, and they've kind of been in that realm dealing with Intel for a few years. Now they don't have to. So now I feel like the iMac has like fully taken its place as like your basic computer for people who aren't going to push it hard, uh, who just want something that works well, runs fast, looks good. And if you want more than that, be it screen size or power, they're going to point you to either the, the mini interestingly, cause the, the mini got the M2 pro, uh, so you could get more juice there, uh, or obviously yeah. to the Mac studio. That mini, and, and I, with your... I reviewed the mini Nate with the M2 yeah. pro. And like, that is, that feels like such a magical computer. If you need more power, yeah. the Mac studio is there and the, the crazy people working for Disney or wherever can still get the Mac pros. Um, this I'm the iMac has always been like the computer for everyone, right? The the simplest right. thing for mainstream consumers. This thing you just plug it in and you turn on the keyboard and trackpad slash mouse and you're in, right? Like that's it, nothing yeah. else. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Um, you know, as I've been contemplating Mac desktops over the last week or so, I've thought like, well, would I prefer to get the mini and get like a, a slightly bigger monitor? Would that make me happier? But like. Just having one cord, like <laughs> it's really nice. Like I didn't my usual my usual setup. I have uh, a laptop hooked up to a monitor, and the laptop's plugged in, the monitor's plugged in. There's a cord connecting them. It's all fine, but I'm a very simple guy sometimes, and it's nice to just like <laughs> not have that nonsense. <laughs> it's nice. What do you what do you think of the iMac share at this point? I uh, you know I see them in offices a lot, right? Like they're they're the ones that like most video editing offices or bays use or or sometimes those are like the heavier duty ones are connected to like those Apple are probably the older ones that yeah 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 so so i i'm more like an aesthetic person at this point with the uh, with the look of the imac i was just going to ask nate actually what color review unit you got um i think there's a there's a beauty to all-in-ones but the kind of the size of my home not having a real dedicated office setup still given <laughs> how many years we are into like lockdown type situation now uh i'm still a laptop girl i am still a like a small screen will suffice i mean i think the biggest compromise i've made towards a multi-window type of screen is i'm using a 16 inch laptop now as opposed to like a 14 or 12 that i used to before which like laptop (laughs) yeah but i was gonna ask yeah um sherlyn do you ever plug into a monitor or no I would. I mean, I have the the Lenovo USB C travel monitor type thing that I, every now and then, if I feel like getting real serious about my work, I will. Um, but for the most part, I can do a lot of my job. Like even on the phone, sometimes I'll be on the toilet and editing <laughs> an article. On I my assume phone. it's all done on the toilet. I just it's pretty every much bit all of your done. Work. Exactly. It's all, I never leave the toilet. I should go see a doctor. Um, <laughs> should, uh, that, that seems like a problem. Sherlyn, I, I have a pitch for you, though, because yeah. what I keep hearing from you in your apartment is that you don't have enough space, right? You don't have enough space for the setup, for the podcast and everything. But what if, Cher, what if you just had a screen, a beautiful I magic know. screen with a keyboard in front, always in front of it, and you just sat down and you got to work? You didn't have to pull out your bag. You didn't have to, like, plug it in. It's just it's, there. It's That's very tempting pitch. because... 
yeah. but because like Nate said, I, I like Nate, I am somewhat minimalist sometimes. I know it doesn't look that way sometimes because I still have a pile of trash <laughs> in my living area. <laughs> but when I do have like a workspace, I, I the, the part of the reason for not having a workspace is because the minimalist in me is like, not one more table. It would, you know, interrupt this flow of this plain wall. <laughs> I like the plain wall. Anyway, back to, back to Nate. Sorry, Nate, what color did we get actually? We got the blue, which is Ooh. nice. All the um, colors are good. I, yeah. They all are good. And and you know what? Honestly, it drives me crazy because I'm like, why don't you make a laptop that looks as good? Why? Also, why are the iPhone 15 colors so horrible this year? I know. <laughs> like, they're barely they're so colors. Bad. It's like they yeah. turn down the saturation to like two. And it's like, okay, that maybe is a hint of a color. It's like no. the, the more pro you get, the less color style you get from Apple, right? Colors yeah, are only for I'm... the pros, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I like the IMAX colors a lot. Um, I wish that my office setup was such that I would see the back of it more. But my desk is facing the wall. You got to put a mirror uh, behind it, Nate, just so you get the full <laughs> impact of that, like, d- you know, that industrial But then I'd design. have to look at myself, too. Put I was going to say, wait, does it not everyone angle. have a mirror in front of them the whole time when they're that's working? That's just, not, again, that's oh. just Sherlyn. Sherlyn on the toilet, yeah. Sherlyn on everything. The mirror right in, front. in front of a mirror. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to right, say, I gotta go. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the design <laughs> that was, of this iMac. Yeah. Um, I still, whenever I run into it at the store, Nate, like it is super thin. It is, it's just like a super thin screen. You can't, there's no like, there, there is the bottom lip and stuff. But it's not as like big and prominent as it was before. Yeah. When I don't think about it, when I was testing this machine, like I, I lugged it to my kitchen. It was on my kitchen counter. It was in like an upstairs bedroom. It was on my kitchen table and like it. It sure it was harder than moving a laptop around, but it also was not that big of a deal. So like if you had kids or a family, you were like, okay, playroom time, the the Mac's gonna be here for you guys to do homework all together on the kitchen table or something or play games. But in a family surrounded space, I that seems very viable to me. Or in a kitchen. And then or you something. can literally you can literally put it away yes. if you don't want it to be always around or always on. Or um or if you're a fancy parent, um, you can order it with the the vase amount back. That's a special order. But you can order it and like just mount it to a wall. So it's like flat, like pull it out on an arm or something and pull it back, push it back in for work. There are a lot of ways you can work with it. It's just really versatile. I think that's kind of cool. And you mentioned this in your review too, Nate. You mentioned it was light enough for you to kind of move around as and when you needed. Did you move it around a lot? I mean, I, I didn't personally, although I can see the appeal of doing so if you have a, if you have a, a living situation where that makes sense. Um, I did bring it to the bedroom to watch something when I was like feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, we Not on your bed, I hope, like just like on a. No, 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 no. It was on it was on a shelf or like, yeah. on, you know, a dresser. I mean, listen, that's um, uh, for dorm rooms. I remember when I was in when I was in college, yeah. like yep. you had to really multifunction a lot of different things. So like it, it's a good argument for that sort of thing. Cause pe- yeah, but everybody in college is going to want a laptop. Yeah, everyone now, wants know, a like, laptop. But, you know. The I do remember the kids who had a lot of money had both the <laughs> laptop for travel and like the the desktop you know to to hang around with. So anyway, M- must be nice. Final thoughts on this thing, Nate. Uh, goodbye. Well, good cool. So yeah. there's one there's one really important thing I have to talk about that we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that the only thing that changed is the M3 and let I mean completely literally uh, in 2021 the base model started with eight gigs of RAM and 256 mm. gigabytes of storage. Not very good at the time. That hasn't changed in two and a half years. That sucks. And that that is extremely upsetting. I can't recommend anyone buy that low-end computer, especially because it also only has two ports. You lose the Ethernet. The keyboard doesn't have Touch ID. Like, the amount of stuff they gimped to get to that $12.99 price point is is pretty appalling. Um, so you'd have to go to the $14.99, but you still only get 8 gigs of RAM. So by the time you're putting a decent amount of storage and RAM here, you're up to almost $1,900, which is 
a considerable amount of money. And like I was saying, you could easily get um, the Mac Mini and screen for much less cash. And Devendra, I know you're saying families could possibly use this. And like, I, I see the point, but it's really hard to recommend you buy a computer with only 8 gigs. Well, no, no I'm saying the base model. So yeah, Nate, I'm, I'm specifically, yeah, I do think this is going to be a great family computer. That was what I said in my first review. And I agree with you, though. I feel like 8 gigabytes of true, RAM, yeah. that is a bad number. And I'm going to talk about that when we talk about the MacBook Pros. I feel like it is something Apple gotta has to move on from at this point because yeah. it's, it's not great. This- the so, storage, at least, I can see like so much stuff is cloud now that it I can I can personally get by with with that little space. And again, I imagine like a, a family that's mostly doing web browsing, light stuff that could work. But yeah, in terms of longevity, if you had one the, web browser open with one tab, maybe <laughs> maybe eight gigabytes of RAM would be enough. Share any thoughts on this? Like yeah, I mean, doing? like like to to y'all's point, like I could see some people, some some families where eight gigs might be enough, where their kids are just going to school, like and it's like a elementary type school situation, not not anything beyond that, and maybe for a few years that's good enough. And but it does seem like to Nate's point, it's like Apple just wanted to have a model that started at that price. And that's was all. Like, it yeah, is. here you go. That's what. Yeah, that's what this is the starting price. Education. There might be like education uh, sale components that as well. I suppose having a really right, and hit you it, know kind of basic and expensive model, relatively speaking, no, even lower, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can advertise the low price, even though that's not the model I think most people should buy. So actually, having said that, let's move on to the MacBook Pro M3s because Apple kind of did the same thing again. Um, big changes this year. The 13-inch MacBook Pro is dead. The one with the Touch Bar. Thank God. Yeah. Thank oh, well, God. Yeah. Like the. I reviewed that thing last year. I don't know why Apple updated it with an M2 Pro chip. Um, and I believe my review was, uh, the headline was Pro in name only, because really that's all it was. It had two USB-C ports. Um, it had the oldest design, like the MacBook Air M2 came out at the same time. And that was a better computer with a more modern design and bigger screen. So anyway, I hated that computer. Glad it's dead. Now instead, the 14-inch MacBook Pro, the newly like redesigned one for these Apple Silicon chips, now starts at $15.99 with, guess what? Eight gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> so 256 gigs of storage. I think I gotta look up like the exact storage there. But yeah. Eight gigabytes of RAM for something you're calling the MacBook Pro. I just look at that and say like that that feels like a joke. That feels like a weird thing where maybe the chi- Apple used to tell me that the the old 13-inch MacBook Pro was their second best-selling laptop right next to the MacBook Air. That made sense cuz it was the cheapest MacBook Pro. So they're kind of aiming for that again. But man, I can't I don't know who should buy like the base model. Like if you're doing over an Air. Over an Air, if you're doing yeah. any actual kind of work, like yeah, it's nice that the better screen the 14 screen is cheaper it's better that you get more ports and stuff but you're going to want to spend like the extra 200 bucks to get 16 gigabytes of ram in there i found in my testing just looking at activity monitor with like a couple web browsers slack you know evernote open everything i was using 13 gigabytes of active memory you know that's my like typical work workflow so yeah, I would feel the burn on eight gigabytes. And I think most uh, I do professionals think would too. Mm-hmm. Doesn't RAM kind of usage kind of scale up with availability though? Like it's going to use more since it has it's it. It's going to use more, but it, it's it's very much like if you only have eight gigabytes, then what happens is your computer uh, starts using swap memory. And that means it's putting like a file on your hard disk, which is an SSD in this case, and kind of using that to store memory. 
The thing about SSDs is the more you use them, if you're using them like RAM, you're degrading them. So that also like kills the life of your drive. If you are overloading your RAM and you're like dumping big files into that computer, it's going to be slower because it's also going to have to like deal with SSD stuff there too. So I just, I feel a certain way about the base M3 uh, MacBook Pro. Um, don't buy it. That's a ba the, the main thing there. Also the M3 chips, uh, you can, it comes with the plain M3 chip, not the M3 Pro. It loses the USB-C port on the right-hand side because I believe Apple just kind of cheaped out on that processor because it's going to be in the MacBook Air eventually. They haven't announced the new Air or anything yet. Um, there's going to be new 13 and 15-inch Air at some point. Um, also, what else? You can only output to one external monitor. Again, something that feels really weird for a pro. So the base M3 trip does not have multiple external display support. So if you're going to multi-monitor, you have to go for the M3 Pro which I believe is like 2000 bucks. So that, that's another thing you just have to be aware of, right? Kind of odd. For what it's worth, I just double checked and the M3 base model, the 1599 does have 512 gigs of storage at least. So it's not quite as uh, gimped, but yeah, eight gigs is just not enough that's for any something. pro usage. That's, I mean, it, yeah, 512, it's better to have more storage, but you got to pay for the RAM folks. If you're buying a MacBook Pro, just go look at my review, go look at my video review. That's like the main takeaway. Get as much RAM as you can. Uh, because you know, that's the name of the game, right? Like your computer will last you longer. You won't feel the burn of being limited to memory if you don't have enough. So overall though, like this 14 inch and 16 inch, these are the exact same computers we saw earlier this year. The, basically the same ones I reviewed a couple of years ago. I love this design. It looks fantastic. It feels like a million bucks. Uh, there is a big weight difference between the 16 inch and the 14 inch model. And I feel like, you know, the vast majority of people do not need the 16 inch, but if you're a video editor, or you're working on big timelines, you, yeah, sure, get the bigger screen. There's a big weight difference, right? The 14, it's three and a half pounds. The 15, or the 16, is like 4.8 pounds, close to five pounds. That's a big computer That's in 2023. That's a big computer, and we... I don't mind that they made the 16-inch bigger, because given the audience it's serving, it's better, so it has better cooling, better thermals, uh, bigger battery, all that good stuff. And it is, again, for a very specialized audience... Uh, but yeah, it's still in 2023, almost five pounds. This feels like a pretty big laptop. It, I mean, for, for a computer, remember 16 inch used to be like six to seven pounds, right? They used to be huge. So I can understand that. And given the build quality and that Apple is using all metal here, the, there aren't any like super light plastic case elements here. These things feel like a million bucks and the 16 inch certainly feels like it. But I will tell you guys, I really like how big the 14 inch screen feels. I believe it's like 14.2 inches. They're both, uh, they both have mini LED backlights. Uh, they have a hundred nits better standard uh, definition range, standard range brightness now. So the screens look a bit better when you're not looking at HDR stuff, better for outside work. Um, these are like the ultimate laptops, right? Great keyboard, Devendra, great touchboard, great stuff. Yeah. Tell us about the specs on the 16 that you tried. Oh, the specs on the 16. The complete opposite end of the spectrum mm -hmm. from the, the other one. Uh, yeah, I tested the full M3 Max chip, which had 128 gigabytes of RAM. That is bigger than like the hard drive that was in my first computer. Um, it had an 8 terabyte SSD. Ooh. Just... I believe that thing clocked in close to 8,000 bucks when I priced it out what? on the website. Are you kidding me? Uh, oh, that's a big, really. those are big computers. And actually, if you're going for the M3 Max, you're immediately jumping to like $3,500 or something. The pricing is so, like, I, I think Apple's clearly delineating between the people who call themselves pro, prosers was the term we, we came <laughs> up with last week. But you want the MacBook Pro. You want to be seen with the MacBook Pro. 
you may not need the the RAM requirements that other users have. So that's who the base model is for. Um, the people who don't want to be like, you don't want to go to the artist collective and have a MacBook Air, right? You want to have the big <laughs> boy. You want to be seen as serious in here. Um, and then the M3 Pro chip is for people who just need a little more power. That is a much more powerful chip. I believe at the base level, it comes with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And yeah, you're going to pay a couple hundred more for that. And then if you want M3 Max, you're, you're going way, way up. But you know, you would know if you need the M3 Max's power or you work for Disney or somebody or Marvel and they will buy these as your computers to pump out visual effects as fast as possible, right? Yeah, when I bought my own MacBook Pro a few years ago, I got the 14, but the base one, like M- M1 Pro 16, 512. And it's still, you know, again, two and a half years later, great computer. I have zero complaints about it. How it's much beautiful- RAM do you have in that, Nate? <laughs> 16. There you go. There you go. Yeah. The, the... Not crazy, but enough. So I, I just looked at the amount of RAM in the PC I'm using now. And yeah, it's, it's only 16 gig machines that have been able to last me multiple years without really dying. And, you know, yeah. that's been true for like a decade too, exactly. right? Like RAM yeah. has gotten cheaper. RAM has gotten faster, but the overall capacity for RAM hasn't actually expanded much. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's the thing. If, if Engadget were to have a motto that you'd put right underneath our logo, like... <laughs> 16 gigabytes. Uh, 16 I mean, gigabytes no, of we RAM have or so bus. More RAM. Just you have so many other things. It could RAM. be like, more RAM. don't buy first gen. Don't buy first uh, gen. Well, uh, we don't so listen to some people's Chromebook takes. You know, we, we have a lot of great oh mottos God. here. We have a lot of great <laughs> mottos. So anyway, folks, these are great computers. Check out my review. Um, the main thing, do not buy the base 14-inch MacBook Pro. Get as much RAM as you can because it still makes a big difference. You know, I, I do think that is something you will start to feel immediately when you're RAM limited. So anyway, let us know what you and think. While you're, yeah. at it, while you're at it, don't buy the base M3. I'm don't at buy. Try not to buy the base level, especially Apple stuff. I do feel like Apple cheaps out quite a bit when it comes to memory and all sorts of stuff. So just keep that in mind. We just folks. want your money. Let us know what you think about these new computers. Drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com. Nate, where can we people find you on the internet these days? Uh, I mostly have abandoned most social media, uh, but you can find me on threads occasionally dropping uh, tidbits of knowledge and stupidity. Uh, My username is at Nate Ingram. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Nate. So we all knew that the new Apple hardware was coming. That was no real surprise. But what is a surprise is we also got a new Steam Deck this week, a new OLED variant. It's kind of a mid-cycle refresh. Join us to talk about that is Jess Condit, senior editor. What's up, Jess? How's it going? Hey, it's going great because I've been playing with the new Steam Deck. (laughs) The the cool new Steam Deck. (laughs) Yay. Nobody knew this existed. This is one of those like really well-kept secrets because I do feel like in the gaming world, Everything gets leaked. We're going to talk about the the Rocks, the Grand Theft Auto 6 announcement that was going to be a big surprise. That got leaked. Uh, Valve did a really good job of keeping this one tight. What is going on with the Steam Deck OLED, Jess? Well, yeah, there's a few like reasons this is so surprising. One, Valve literally was like, you can't tell anyone that we're even going to announce something. Because, of course, right, Valve right, hardware, right. people are going to think Steam Deck. But also, this like this is a pretty speedy refresh, especially coming from Mm -hmm. Valve, because the Steam Deck came out in early 2022. So this is like just under two years old at this point. And we're getting a brand new version of the Steam Deck, which is just like, yeah, super surprising coming from Valve. So well, brand new in quotes, right? Like it is new, but it's the same case, right? Exactly. So this is a mid-cycle refresh, like you said, it's kind of like the Switch OLED, but there is actually like 
more internally happening here. There are more updates. Um, the big update here is the OLED screen that has HDR. It has faster frame rates. It can hit up to 90 hertz um, compared with 60 for the original, which is like huge. And the screen is slightly bigger because the bezels are smaller. Um, oh, I, I love that. Exactly. That's how you sell me on anything. Just <laughs> like I, I shaved down the bezels by one millimeter. Will you buy me? Yeah. Well, it's that. And so it's like 7.4 inches, the screen size uh, compared with seven inches on the first one. That's a big, it's that's a big significant job, yeah. enough to notice. Yeah, you definitely notice it. And with the the color being like there's a wider color gamut that's possible now. We have blacker blacks, we have brighter brights, and the actual black of the the game screen matches the color of the bezels. Yeah. So it it blends oh. in seamlessly exactly. I thought you'd like that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Listen, I'm one of those suckers, Jess. I bought the Switch OLED because I I figured Hey, if I'm going to play Tears of the Kingdom, I want to be on the best looking Nintendo system, even though we all kind of expected more hardware to come into that thing. I, I sometimes play with the Switch OLED and the Steam Deck side by side, and you could just really see the difference, right? The OLED screen contrast, black levels look so much better. And I look at the Steam Deck, I'm like, well, you're a nice LCD, but you're just an LCD. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's really true. The OLED is a huge, it's a huge difference. And that's just that's just gonna be it. And then on top of the screen and the display being better, the internals are actually improved here too. Um, so this whole thing is the same size as the original Steam Deck, which is like my biggest uh, downside. That's a big machine. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. huge. I have pretty small hands. The Steam Deck is just really, really big when I hold it. I can't play it comfortably. It looks like you're holding a surfboard. Jess. No, it like, really I does. Your initial it's absolutely <laughs> it's ridiculous. Huge. I feel like silly being in public with it, which is why one of the reasons I don't really bring it out in public. Um, yeah. Don't be seen with this. Right. But hide your shame. Hide your shame. In inside this one, though, like using that space, Valve has um, shrunk. So we have a smaller APU and that has allowed them to add bigger other things. So like a bigger fan and more antennas for Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. There's a whole new configuration inside. Um, and yeah, and actually, like, even though it's not it's not any smaller, it does weigh about five quarters less <laughs> like a, a stack of five quarters in your hand 30 grams it weighs 30 okay, grams sure, less sure. than the original so you know it's it's a little change but the the weight distribution changing has really made it feel more comfortable in my hands even though it is the same size it's a little less top heavy is kind of what it feels like that's good which is great weight distribution is sort of like the theme of the year jess i feel like uh, because also we saw on the iphone uh the 15 pro max which i ended up upgrading to like just feeling that in my hand the way apple like moved around that's all the titanium bro it's the titanium but also like the bezels are, are thinner like their things are like coming in and the the case came in but anyway it makes a big difference rather than just raw weight right just the weight feels in your hand is an important thing to consider so you like this one better jess yeah, I like it better. It's still, you know, size-wise, it has the same problems as the original for me. But, like, I don't play a handheld generally longer than two, three hours at any time. Like, I'm kind of puttering around the house, stopping to play or watching TV and playing at the same time, you know. You say two, three hours, like, oh, what a short, what a short game session. I'm like... Just that is, that is my gaming time for the week. So <laughs> that's true. I'm very privileged. Uh, I should I should check that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But no, no, no. You're you're absolutely okay. So you don't stick or you're not there for like six hours or something. But you have better battery life. You have you could 
uses more easily well, for those sessions. And the right? battery life, like that's another downside of the original model. Pretty short battery life. Eight hours was like if you're barely using the machine, it'll last for eight hours on the original. So this one, Valve is saying 30 to 50% better battery life, which is like three to 12 hours. Um, I have seen, yeah, pretty much that. Like I played Hades and I played Hades on the original one and then on the new one. And it was about a 62% improvement in battery life. Uh, just mm-hmm. playing on the same and that, that game's not hitting 3D or anything. That game, that's just no. nice 2D graphics, it's, right? It's a beautiful, but it's a smooth, you know, lots of colors. There's a lot happening on the screen. So I thought it was a pretty good baseline. And my original model is a launch model. So batteries degrade over time. It makes sense that I saw more significant gains than even Valve is estimating there. Um, and then I played Elden Ring on maxed out, like everything. And I killed the new version in two hours and 20 minutes, which is less, you know, right. less than Valve is saying, but yeah. no one's going to play like that, you know, realistically. Maxed yeah, out. that's just, it, it that's feels like fun. when you launch Elden Ring on the Steam Deck, <laughs> the, the system just saying like, why, why, why would you put me there? I would, you have a game, you have other places to play this. Why are you doing this to me? I agree. Um, not the okay. spot. Yeah, not the spot. I'm glad it worked out. I mean, I have a couple of questions. One, you mentioned a bigger fan. I don't know. Is fan noise a problem? No, that's one thing I was very happy about. Um, so the new model, the fan works way better. It's not any louder, um, which was great. And it doesn't like turn on more often or anything. It seemed pretty, you know, similar. But the the heat kind of condenses in the palms of the device. Like your palms will get really sweaty because that's where the heat is trying to escape, basically. But in the new model, my palms are definitely like not sweaty like they are with the the original. So it's a little better. You, that thing's like a little space heater. It you know? certainly it's is. It's wonderful in the winter, <laughs> the original one. Uh, Jess, back to Elden Ring. It, it, did it work well? Did it feel mm-hmm. like 60 FPS and felt pretty smooth? It felt great. It looked great. It actually ran really well. So, you know, we were joking like, haha, who's going to do that? But you could. It's fine. It totally worked. Yeah. Some some weirdos out there who, with this thing. I You know what? I tried that, Jess, with the original Steam Deck and like I had to like scale down the graphics quite a bit and then i also tried uh, streaming it for my gaming pc and that was like the immediate difference talking about streaming um the steam deck is not really a device i feel like a lot of people are leaving the house with like that's not really a commuting system but it is a great on the couch or on the bed gaming system and if you have a gaming pc one thing you could do is just stream right from it i think the the better wi-fi could be a big difference there because that that should give you better reception and better latency and stuff too, right? Did, did you try any of that? Yeah, so I messed around with the Wi-Fi and um, I don't have um, a, let's see, I'm looking at their specs now. So they have a new a Wi-Fi 6E module. Good, that's good, yeah. Exactly, I don't have a 6E router, so I couldn't test out that to its like max capacity, but I saw better download speeds. It was like 10% faster than the old Steam Deck. Not as fast as my MacBook Pro, but you know, it's still, I did see an improvement there, definitely. And Valve was talking a lot about, like, seeing this as a living room device. Like, I think they recognize that people aren't necessarily putting this in their carry-on bag. (laughs) It's a little big for that still, yeah. Um, So there's a a longer charging cable that comes with this one. So it's 2.5 meters, which is like, very nice. Yes, yeah, stellar, right? That's what I wanted. That's what I needed from this update. That's what everybody I immediately like bought that upgrade when I when I had the original. Um is this new chip it is smaller, it's more efficient, it sounds like it's not is it any faster? Because I feel like that would be a problem for Valve actually when it comes to developers 
optimizing for it's, the deck. It's the same performance targets. So there's not a difference. It's like a PS4 or a PS5 Slim. You know, it's not a new console. You don't have, like, there's no reason developers will have to develop specifically for the Steam Deck OLED. It's like, they're going to continue supporting the LCD and the OLED models, by the way. Valve isn't dropping support for the older version. I did read um, that yeah, basically they're selling all these right now. So now the, the Steam Deck starts at $499 for the LCD model with 256 gigabytes of storage. That's actually pretty good because it used to start at 64 and that's a bad number. Just like we don't like eight gigabytes of RAM, I don't like 64 gigabytes of storage. Uh, the OLED starts at 549 with 512 gigabytes and uh, 649 for the one terabyte model. There's also a limited edition with a cool trans uh, translucent shell for 679. And I feel like that thing looks, um, the technical term is sick as hell, right? Yeah. It just looks great. <laughs> you can say super rad or sick as hell. Those super are interchangeable <laughs> and it's true. Yes. Yeah, but that is limited. Uh, They're going to sell screen, out of that one. So, what's the screen size right now? You said it was slightly bigger. Seven point four inch display on the new one, compared with seven. So enough of Man. you can definitely notice it. You know, back to back, you see it. Yeah. You know, just throughout this entire conversation, I've been like gripping my table and be like, I'm going to be strong. I don't don't need a new Steam Deck. <laughs> I don't need a new Steam Deck. I actually. Um, I bought the high end, the high end model when like that initial batch came out. Um, they're still going to be selling the older LCD ones, I believe, at slightly lower prices. But once those are sold out, that stock is gone. the The OLED is the way to go. What would your suggestion be for somebody who bought a Steam Deck within the past month or something? I don't know what the return policy is, but I would say send it right back. Well, so that's the thing. I was actually I was on the the Steam Deck uh, Reddit forum the other day, just kind of looking and seeing people posting like, "Finally got my Steam mm -hmm. Deck." And yep. yeah, no, it's poor, poor it's a little it's a little rough oh. for those people, and I am sorry on Valve's behalf for you. Um, but yeah, there's there's nothing what, what can you do? there's nothing to do. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna take it back unless you know unless there's a valid reason. Well, there there's a return period, right? I'd like probably. there's a return period for any device. Um, I have a friend who has a Steam Deck like in a box that he bought like two weeks ago, and uh, once we got these details, I was like, buddy. Send that back because for the same amount of money, you're getting more storage and a much better screen. So even even I'm tempted at this point, but I'm an idiot that bought the Switch OLED because OLED's so pretty. So anyway. I Speaking of screens, I don't know if you'd be tempted by this. Uh, when I asked about the screen size, I, I, I was thinking of this other device, the Lenovo Legion Go. Right. Uh, it was officially launched sometime last week or, or maybe in the last two weeks. And uh, we went hands-on with a pre-production model uh, earlier this year, Sam wrote it up in September, and it has an 8.8 inch screen, uh, and it's what it's also an it's an IPS panel, so not necessarily I guess that's a good LCD. That's or, a good IPS. Yeah, but yeah. it's an it's a mm -hmm. good it's good, good good colors. So I think that you know Sam mentioned that he found that colors are, you know pop on that display based on his hands on. I think we have units in for review. Uh, Sam's working on it, but you know Sam has to take some much needed time off soon, so we might not have a review fully up yet. But I mean, it does start at a lot more money. Six hundred ninety nine dollars is closer to the ROG Ally in terms of like that sort of price range. Um, but the size-wise, it seems very close to the Steam Deck, according to it's Sam's hands-on. The, so the, the market is more competitive now, right? Like, the, we we have reviewed a bunch of the Ioneo devices. Sam did the RG Ally. Um, I do think something worth pointing out, though, is, like, 
I think Valve got something really right with the Steam Deck. And you, I don't know if you agree with me, Jess. Like the, the experience is just you're in Steam, right? It's running Linux, but you're in Steam. You're managing your Steam stuff. These other devices are running Windows. So you got to be like poking around the start menu, like doing Windows shit to even get going. And to me, that could be a problem. Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be Valve's um, competitive advantage in the, in the market, like always. They have Steam, and Steam is the easiest way to play PC games. And if you can just ship a console that automatically has Steam ready to go, it's so easy. And it's so much easier, you're right, than installing and dealing with Windows on all these other devices that I've tried. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can set up Steam to auto-run and auto-run in big screen mode on all those other devices, but that still requires you poking around, probably plugging in a keyboard or pairing a keyboard or something or a mouse and just like doing silly work. And like that is just, that seems untenable for most users. I would find that really annoying. Yeah, I've been using an INAO, I think Pro mm -hmm. or something. Um, and yeah, the ex exact same, because Sam is the one who loaned it to me and he was like, you had to play in the Steam big screen mode. And I was like, cool. How do I get there? Because like you poke <laughs> around the start. I did not use the like I didn't pair a keyboard or a mouse. I just poked around the touch screen and like figured it out and just never wanted to leave it again, right? But then like sometimes you'd have to get out and then I don't know, it's just awkward. So yeah, I think to both of your point, Valve has the upper hand here with SteamOS built in. But I can see like someone like well, I mean, again, on, on the ROG Ally and on the Lenovo Legion Go, these companies have their own, like, custom skins or custom, like, uh, launchers and stuff. It's trash. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, they're not as great, but I would say Asus has a pretty good, like, handle on some of this stuff, I think, because it's, like, ROG stuff is pretty well all, set up all gamers, I saw, maybe. I saw a bunch of reviews and just people um, complaining about the Asus software. And just given what I've seen on the PC side, like, I've used so many ROG laptops, I'm like, I don't... I don't know what you're doing over there, Asus, um, but it's not it's not great software. So I don't know. That, that's just like, to me, that is a thing. Try to get your hands on these things, folks. Like, do not judge these devices based on pure specs because the Ionio stuff, yeah, it's faster. The Lenovo Legion has a bigger screen. I'm also looking at that and I'm also thinking, but it has the name Lenovo on it. And the I feel a certain way about Lenovo hardware. You know, I don't, I don't feel too great about it. I, I don't know if I trust it. Whereas Valve... Fairly new to hardware, but the, the Valve Index was one of the best VR headsets I've ever seen. So at least they got some trust from me well, there. Well, and one thing that's really exciting about this surprise OLED announcement is, like, this is Valve showing that it is committed to this portable PC idea. You kind of never know with Valve. They they have a lot of ideas, and they, they're kind of like Google in that they're pretty quick to walk away from things. Um, but you can see in the Steam Deck, you have the DNA of the Steam machines and the Steam controller. Like They've used these past hardware things and actually infused it into this new hardware, and now they're actually iterating on that. So I talked with developers like at Valve. They showed off the the new device, and they were saying that like yeah, they're thinking long term about this thing, and they they don't have like a set number of years they plan to support it, but like they're they're working on new iterations. They're working on uh, different like Steam controllers, new input methods for like living room uh, kind of play with this device as well. So uh, that's exciting but, I mean, clearly... to me. It's a, it's a thing, right? Like they, the Steam Deck is, uh, I was skeptical early on because it looked, just the early pictures we got was like, this thing looks huge. Why are these buttons so close to the edge? That feels like a problem to me. It's not it's not the best like portable experience, but it, it sure is like something that kicked um, other PC makers to be like, oh, 
maybe we need handheld gaming systems. Like we need something like this. And you can go back to Nintendo. Really, like everybody should thank Nintendo for pushing what it did with the Switch because that was a big risk. That was a huge risk. They also killed their own handheld business to get there. So, you know, Valve is following in the footsteps of of Nintendo there as well. Um, Valve is such a weird company, Jess. I don't know how you feel about them, but they are you don't the rare like they're a fully private company. It's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory over there. We have no idea what they're doing. They could do whatever they want. They are not beholden to shareholders or anybody else. So it's like, for for good or worse, like for good or bad, that could mean like they don't have to listen to criticism, but also they can do crazy things like this, which is cool. Yeah, I have I have complex feelings about Valve. I I recently interviewed Matt T. Wood. He's a he was at Valve for a long time. He helped launch a CS:GO. Like he was a level designer worked there on a ton of games that you all know. And um, he he left Valve and then he's now working on his own project, Little Kitty Big City. It's a cute game, very different than anything Ooh, there. And name. it's really, great it's name. really cute. Yeah. Um, but he talked about the complacency at Valve and like people going there being very talented and being sold this dream of you can work on whatever you want. And then in practice, that kind of has fallen apart in some way and the company is resting on its laurels in some way. And yeah, it's like Valve does have the resources and the reputation to do literally anything. And very often it does nothing. <laughs> it does nothing. Or it's like they're printing money with what league or other things, right? They're, no, it's, they're printing, they're printing money. money with steam. Like steam is just steam. making yeah. money. And then they have all these iconic franchises like TF2 has just been left to languish. I covered the bot invasion that went unchecked uh, like a year, year and a half ago. Um, but you know, it's like valve kind of does what it wants and that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, which is why I was very excited to see them actually follow through on this handheld PC line it seems like developers there are still excited about this and that means they'll still work on it so i'm happy about that i mean just like willy wonka's chocolate factory uh, kids be dying over there <laughs> kids are just drowning in the chocolate river you know so there's good and bad about these crazy geniuses like gabe gabe newell is one of those like he's a billionaire dude i believe he's buying property in new zealand or something like he's trying to buy himself he's one of those crazy billionaires that's like trying to prepare for the end of the world too and he would probably have the resources to do it but it's really interesting looking at valve and then looking at nintendo too which is a public company and is beholden to shareholders but also is very much in that we're gonna do our own thing and we're gonna make mistakes but it is very cool that, uh, you know, we talked about how great Tears of the Kingdom is. People who worked on the original Zelda are still working on Zelda games now. And, like, there's so much shared knowledge and so much, like, unique things only Nintendo could do that I think a Microsoft or Sony could never pull off because they care more about games, I guess. So, anyway, this went to places. So, you were mostly happy with this hardware, Jess, it seems? Yeah, I mean, this is the definitive Steam Deck. And Steam Deck is kind of the definitive portable PC like, I really do think this is the standard setter. Um, so yeah, this is a better Steam Deck. It's not the Steam Deck 2, um, but it's a really good mid-cycle refresh. And yeah, I, I'm i sorry for anyone who just bought a Steam Deck LCD. I'm so, so sorry. I mean, would anybody like to buy a slightly used Steam Deck right? Yeah. from the first month? They're not, they're not bad. Maybe. They're still good, I yeah. promise. But like, yeah, this is just They're better. Still They're still this good. is just better. I, I mean, the the top, the one terabyte one, which, by the way, great to have one terabyte as as an option in here, too. That also has the anti-glare coating on the glass, too. So like that, the highest end Steam Deck had that before. That's the one I ended up buying. 
it still looks good. It's just, it's not OLED. You know, if you tell me, it's one of those psychological things where I'm like, I can see that black is not pure black. And my life is not complete until it is, until I have infinite contrast. Please, thank you. Anyway, thank you so much, Jess. Um, keep an eye out for Jess's review of this thing. Uh, will you have a video going up too? Oh, yeah, that should be up today, right now. Go watch it. Oh, great. Go read it and watch yeah, it. Yeah, we are, for full full context, we are recording this before all of Jess's coverage is up there. So, you know, but go check that out, folks. And I am, I cannot wait to get my hands on this thing. Thank you so much, Jess. Where can we find you on the internet these days? Yeah, I'm pretty much on Instagram and threads at Jess L. Condit. Thank you so much. Thanks, baby. Love you. Let's move on to some other news. And Trillin, I have a question for you. What do you think the uh-huh. world after smartphones looks like? What What do you want to see I think, beyond smartphones? I don't know if I want to see this, but I've, I've kind of speculated before on like what Apple and Google's and Amazon's like separate approaches are. It's more like a, a world around us full of computers where devices kind of fade into the background and we just interact it might be embedded onto our, our skin or face or our eyes right yeah. it's a uh, very much the term like ambient computing we've heard a lot of these companies well i guess heading towards that humane the company we've talked about before from x apple designers uh they have developed an ai pin uh which they have shown off briefly uh there was a ted talk with i believe the ceo showing off like how that thing worked uh it had voice commands it was powered by you know uh, open ai um, it could project a little like um, green dial pad, like it could project something onto his hand to interact with because it's a little, it's a pin. It's a pin that sits on your clothes and that's it. It has a little camera, it has a speaker and it has a microphone. Um, it is one of those things that's going to be supposed to be like a device you have on. It just kind of lives in the background. No more phone. It's trying to replace your phone. This week, we finally got some more details around this thing. And um, I'll tell you guys, unfortunately, like we are recording this podcast before Humane has their like major launch event. Uh, But The Verge did catch some early details uh, that were leaked to them. So we have some early things to go on. Uh, We do know it's going to cost $6.99, which gives me early iPhone vibes of just like, oh, this is a transformative piece of tech. Um, It will also need a $24 a month uh, subscription. For a cellular plan, it's going to be on T-Mobile. It's going to give you another phone number and um, cover data as well, I believe. And I think it also has access to various um, AI distributions like built-in. That's a part of this whole thing. This is a really super ambitious device based on what we know so far. But I don't feel super excited about this. I just feel like this feels weird. And I feel like this whole year has been like, everybody's excited about AI. And now Microsoft is like, we're excited. We poured t- over $10 billion into AI. Let's AI all the things. And after testing Copilot for a while um, and other AI services, like they're fine. They're great. But the the thing I've liked the most is something like Mac Whisper, which is a wonderful little app where I drop an audio file in and it uses like large language models to give me accurate transcriptions. That's it. I'm not like talking to ChatGPT or something. I believe it's using, you know, GPT uh, builds to to get all those things going. But it is that's a tool that helps me. How do you feel about this thing, Sherlyn? So, like you said, I think I think first of all, there's several pieces to this. The AI piece is one part of this whole contraption. It's the it's the um, entire thing. It feels like though, like that's it. That's well, it's, powering it's, it. It's the internals mm-hmm. of it, right? I think there's also the whole ambition thing you're talking about, which is that like it wants to replace or like not not be an accessory to a smartphone. It wants to it kind is, of yeah. be. It is 
a thing that you wear on you and you're done. You don't need a smartphone on you, right? Um, and 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 in trying to be that, it's also doing a lot of different things. It's a a projector, so it's screenless. It doesn't have a screen. The AI part I see as a component of this because it frees your hands and brain from really having to think so much. So it's doing AI DJ. It's writing messages for you that it's, sound like you. It's, it's doing definitely all those, freeing you know, your brain. Like that is supposedly the point I'm supposedly come back to. yeah. Right. And so like this way, in this way, it's it's ambitious to a point where I feel like it's doing too much at once or it's trying to do too much at once. Uh, according to the documents that The Verge says they've seen, it, well, the PIN, which is the name of this thing, will also offer AI-centric photography features, although it's still not clear what that means. So what, this thing can take photos as well, possibly? It, um, it has a camera some... sensor, so you're supposed to be able to like hold things right. up to it and it can like give you feedback. Okay. Yeah. Right. And I can see a, an accessibility usefulness to that. But besides that, I did we need this? Like, I don't, is this evolution or is this like, uh, you know, a marketing gimmick or is this like, we're so sick of the, you know, boring world of smartphones. Let's just do something different I feel for the like sake of doing something. It, it is all those things, Sherlyn. Like, I do feel like everyone's waiting for, there have been so many hype cycles in tech, right? There was Web3. There was Metaverse, which was never really a hype cycle. That was all Mark Zuckerberg. Um, but there was Web3. There was crypto. Now it's AI. And AI is the thing that's hitting because it's actually mm -hmm. had a ton of investment. It is doing things we've never seen before. And I feel like um, this thing was developed, has been in development for a long time. They knew what OpenAI was working on. Like clearly, like this was working in tandem, you know? And I just feel like, yeah, I, I feel like it is what I feel about it is. So many people just want to put their faith in AI. And that is the thing that I'm starting to push back on because this feels very much like the Star Trek, you know, communicator. It's something that's just going to sit on your chest and like you can use it for communication. You can use it for computational stuff. At the same time, you are putting a lot of faith in AI to get those things right and to understand your voice commands and to interpret what you're trying to say. And to me, as somebody who I, I'm not like a crazy Linux user, but I do think like one of the advantages of computers is that you have a certain amount of control in terms of what you can access, how you can access it, how that information is presented to you. And I do think the smartphone is kind of the ideal of the personal computer, right? Compared to 10 years ago, compared to 20 years ago, it's a freaking supercomputer in our pockets. It can access super high speed internet, like the full breadth of knowledge that humanity has. You can sit and access on the screen in your pocket. I don't know how a screenless pin like this is in any way an improvement, right? I have a few thoughts too. I mean, I know I know I've already shared a lot of thoughts, but like, okay, so this thing was first sort of talked about at a TED talk in April this year um, by the co-founder Imran Chowdhury, I believe, and um, Imran Chowdhury had previously worked on the iPhone user interface. He was a interface. designer at um, Apple, yeah. The, the the pitch for this at that TED talk was the idea of the quote disappearing computer. So it, I think it does stem from that whole like vision we're seeing from both Apple and Google of like your technology disappearing into the world around you. I will have to remind people or at least describe for our podcast audience that based on the pictures we've seen so far, this thing is a rounded square. You pin to like, so far it's been modeled on people like Naomi Campbell mm -hmm. wearing like- It was at Fashion like, Week. Like lasers they with lapels. Right, but like I, as a person that wears a lot of different types of garments, I don't think that I can pin this on everything. First of all, it also doesn't appear to be able to pin to your skin. It magnetically attaches to surfaces, according to some of these documents. It is, but like, so if you've used like one of those name tags that have the magnet thing that you put like behind yeah. your shirt, 
That is, that's right. how it's pinning, and that's also the battery pack, apparently. Like, that's that's charging it at the same time. So, it, yeah. according to the so birds, like, you'll get a couple of those, yeah. That's where I feel like I think some of the execution may need time to kind of pan out in the future. Like, I, I think, yeah, you can pin it to any clothing as long as you're wearing clothing. You're not, as long as you're not moving water resistant? Is it Exactly. Is that you're wearing this to the gym? Like, are you taking it off at the gym, like, the way you leave your phone at a locker at the gym? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't... I think it's not been fully thought out and I'm not going to like this a first gen product for not being thought out for entire, you know, all of human lives, like applications and scenarios. It is interesting. These are it basic is. questions I think you're asking, though. Like, can I can I go for a yeah. run with this? You know, right. can I can right. I take this to the gym? I would you want to take a thing you're wearing to the I, gym while you're on equipment? Yeah. Know. And as a, as a person who's been like covering wearables for as long as I have, it's like. Oh, we, we are trying this sort of wearable. Yeah, like, are we trying this? We've done wearable cameras. They haven't taken off other than body cams on like most many police forces. Um, and this just, I, don't, I, don't, I feel like people have come to expect wearables to have some sort of health tracking. I don't know if this does that. It might, it no, might not. Doesn't, because How are you going to track the heart rate? You can't track anything. Yeah, it's on, it's going to be various pieces of clothes, yeah. Right, it's the gyroscope is going to be confused AF. The accelerometer is going to be a what direction am I moving in? You know, unless they have incredibly sophisticated algorithms, which like maybe, who knows? I don't know. I have questions. I have questions. Um, to me, the, the big thing is just, faith in ai right people are treating ai like a religion now like it's very much like the the entire tech world's like yeah, just believe in ai man believe in ai will give us bountiful you know bountiful money it'll endless productivity ai is is the new is the new god for a lot of the tech world and i am like this is very strange i don't it's this stuff doesn't work well yet it's incredibly expensive too i think for for what it's purporting to do but I mean, I will. Hey, Humane AI slash T-Mobile, if you're all listening, I would be very, very excited to test this. We're thing out we're definitely and yeah. We're be definitely proven wrong. I don't even think you need uh, to beg, Sherlyn. Like they, you're you're in command. You know, you're a mobile reporter, and clearly, like you are the sort of person that should be looking at this stuff. I'm just saying, like philosophically, what are we doing here, folks? Like, what is Microsoft doing with the Copilot? Like, I have a piece rumbling in my head, honestly, that's just like. Microsoft just doesn't have any idea what it's doing with AI. Like they're putting AI on everything, but what does that mean? Like, are people actually going to be using Copilot? It, it's not actually making my Windows experience much better. So yeah, it is. It's a weird thing, and I am just like every time everyone's like leaning more on AI, I am pushing back a little. And I think we have to like think about how we use our computers and our our relationship with computers. Like Sherlyn, you were saying, this is like something where you could turn off your brain and kind of do some stuff. I right. think a lot of people are thinking of AI like that. Like it is okay. I don't have to think about it. Yeah, it's just gonna give me the thing. Is that a dumbing down of humanity because we're leaving it up to algorithms to start deciding things for us and doing things for us? I don't know. This is a long conversation, but we're gonna learn more about the humane AI pin now too, or soon. Um, and we'll certainly be looking at this thing uh, down the line. Let us know what you think, folks. Podcasts and gadget.com. Also, in AI news, guess guess what happened this week, Trillian? ChatGPT was down for more than 90 minutes. Uh, there was an open, Shocker. open AI API outage. Hey, if you build an entire device around AI services and APIs, does that mean your phone just doesn't work anymore? If that thing is your phone, what what can you do with it? What's the offline support for the for the? I mean, we were just pen? talking about... Yeah. Right, we were just talking about being overly reliant yes. on these types of technology, and yeah, wow, that seems like a problem. It, w- 
wasn't there some services that were relying on this that were like affected? No, by everything, the way? I I everything, like about... Bing, Chat, right. like everything that was relying on Open AI's APIs. They were having trouble that night, and then they were down for over ninety minutes. Um, that All was, the poor yeah. college students who had to write their own essays. <laughs> All that stuff. Whereas um, I brought up Mac Whisper. Um, that is using a local um, LLM or it's using like a local AI model because it's running entirely on my Mac and on my device, which is great because I don't have to send text elsewhere. I do feel like, like that may be more of the things we're seeing. We've seen that on smartphones too, right? Um, Apple and Google are both talking about how they're running AI stuff on device. And that is key because our turns out our devices are really important. You cannot rely on the cloud um, and connected things entirely. Otherwise, users be sort of out of luck. So that that's a pain. Um, also in AI news, Meta announced it's going to require uh, political campaigns to disclose AI-altered ads. And that's interesting, or AI-altered political ads in particular. We don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but basically if um, they create like a, a fake imagery or they use AI to change the way somebody looks or something or the way somebody's speaking, they're going to have to highlight that. According to the Wall Street Journal, um, you know, the meta is going to, um, I guess, in some ways punish advertisers who don't follow their rules or like or who are repeatedly going against like what they're asking for here. So we don't know what this is really going to amount to. But hey, folks, next year is going to be a, a campaign year. It's going to be an election year. And it's going to be a nightmare because now we have AI and now we have so many different things that is going to make it hard to understand what's real and what's not. So Anyway, so tie for that. Meta's at least trying to do something, even as uh, they are taking down a lot of like safety, um, user safety initiatives too. So that's a whole thing. Also, also in big tech news, uh, basically after the podcast last week, the founder of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, was found guilty of fraud. He is facing up to 110 years in prison. Um, yeah, we we talked a bit about that trial, but that was. This is kind of funny to watch because I do remember before the FTX uh, conversation started happening. And remember, it was because FTX uh, was a crypto exchange that was starting to fall apart. Um, some crypto news sites noticed that the money that they had was going to Alameda Research, which was, um, I think that was a venture, it's like a venture firm, like a, it was an investment firm, which is also owned by Sam Bakemanfried. And then, then everything just started to collapse, like a house of cards. I do remember thinking, this kid is in charge of how much money and how many assets. And yep. before that news, yep. I had never heard of him because I'm just like, once people start talking crypto, my, my brain just like flips off because I don't want to hear about any of this garbage. Yep. Same. And now it's like seeing this trial. It's like, Oh, this guy is like one of the biggest frauds uh, to ever, uh, to ever live. Apparently um, Bernie Madoff got more potential jail time. Um, Bernie Madoff, uh, Madoff got 150 years. Sam Beckman freed, uh, could face up to 110 years. He's going to be sentenced in March. So we're going to hear more about that there. I'm just saying, looking at pictures of him now, this guy looks like a Muppet character. And it's kind of funny, like all the coverage around him is like, oh, oh, Grover. Gro Grover with the with the really curly hair is apparently a billionaire. That's that's weird. Just following this news, you know, it's like, it's like oh, no, Grover apparently was a huge fraud. Huge fraud. Like now... Is it more? Is hilarious. it more that he looks like a cartoon character? He or looks, he looks like a young, he looks I like think. a Muppet to me. Not just a cartoon character, but specifically a Muppet. And I just I think that's the way I'm going to have to understand this news for Lynn. Like that's all. I think, okay, the Muppet could get up to 110 years in prison. That's a shame. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this, Shirley? I, I don't know. I don't like to like 
call out people's appearance when I talk about stuff, right? Because it's just like, unless you're saying that he looks like a young person that's like gotten himself No, he looks like a Muppet. It's then, fine. Yeah. And he's a tremendous financial criminal. So I'm, I think he can take it, Trillin. It's all good. We, okay, we've been paying attention to how Amazon kind of um, is expanding into healthcare. And I think this week we learned that Amazon has cut one medical's price to $99 if you're a Prime subscriber. Um, it's linking what one medical primary care to the Prime memberships, I think, more directly. This is not surprising. I think once we, we all kind of saw the writing on the wall. They've had sales um, before for Prime members too. So like it was a thing that happened before. But now this is the base price right. is changing. Yeah. And now, and now, I mean, I guess starting Wednesday this week, uh, Prime members could buy one medical membership for $99 a year, which um, previously would cost $199 annually. And they were typically available via like employer benefits. So it, I think though, it, I don't know if this is good or bad for people who are not employed. Like if you're unemployed or you're a business owner or whatever, like now you want to, you know, get your medical package I mean, through can, can we take a step back share like what is uh -huh. what is one medical like what do you get by subscribing yeah. to them one medical is this um i believe network of brick and mortar clinics uh it's also available only in 19 major cities across the u.s um but it does have like a telehealth portal and so if you subscribe you're you're allowed access to these um clinics and telehealth services as your like primary care providers you would go there and get you know if you're feeling sick or your annual checkup so it is your primary care it is your doctor it's replacing mm -hmm. your doctor okay and then the new prime one medical membership according to the blog post on wednesday uh would cover unlimited access to 24 7 on-demand virtual care including video chats with licensed providers within minutes virtual care is available nationally uh, and they're all covered by the membership although only the people in those 19 cities would get access to that brick and in mortar person, um, yeah. thing so yeah i mean it it does feel dicey to to let amazon take over your health care on top of everything else because what if you need a prescription and amazon's like you're on xanax here are some other herbal remedies like it's kind of like weird you know what i mean like i feel like i don't trust amazon that way but i mean i don't I've, I've also had bad experiences with doctors, too. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a homeopathic doctor, Shalin, but they exist. I am from Asia, so yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like it's like the, the entire thing. I had one uh, while I was like right out of college, and the doctor would just like never prescribe actual medication. Like, he was like, oh, these herbs are great. I'm like, well... That's not medicine, buddy. I need, I need, I need a pill. I need like something real. Um, I feel yeah. like that that yeah. has happened to me before. Whereas this is like okay, so what are the benefits, Trillin? Right, you get unlimited telehealth. You get like, that's cool. You have a cold or you need a quick uh, prescription. It's you can get the other stuff thing shipped. is also too. Mm -hmm. It's also worth noting that like One Medical has had this like reputation as a more bougie, yes. you know, like yes. um tele uh, no, uh, healthcare provider. It's like you get less wait time, I guess, in some of the the clinics and better service, more like doctor facetime i guess um which is nice it's good it's not usually something premium service it's not something i usually tie to amazon or associate with amazon as a brand but that i'm just concerned what does this lowering of the price also mean for the quality of one medical health services right it's like kind of like oh okay what if what happens to the members who were already paying 199 annually like oh do you get to go on this discount i mean pricing? It's, it's, I, I don't know yeah, if that's, that's been made clear that's a good question i don't know um, we did talk about Apple's like supposed ambitions into health tech and like this sounds like exactly mm -hmm. like a, what Apple would have wanted to do if they actually got their shit together, I guess. I, yeah, I feel like Apple has 
Apple ha- is running those things for its like own employees within its campus. Those what several thousand people that were taking care uh, using that, but I don't know how expensive it might have been, and I don't know how like comprehensive the healthcare was. So we'll see. Um, hey, healthcare seems really bad in America. Is, is anybody you think? About this? Yeah, like, we are. <laughs> we're waiting for Amazon and other big companies to try to like innovate this stuff. When uh, yeah, okay, yeah, there there's so many other easier ways to fix it, like other countries have done. Anyway, okay. One Medical, uh, I, I'm interested if any listeners are actually subscribing to One Medical. I did look up their yeah, locations. Let us know. Yeah, let us know what you think, podcastinggadget.com. Uh, I did notice that one of their locations is about like 20, 25 minutes from me. So that's, it's a, it's a viable thing. I have mm-hmm. friends who were on One Medical before Amazon bought them too. Mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of like, I do, w- was familiar with them. I remember when they launched as a startup, it was like, oh, this is just, it's healthcare for rich people. Isn't that the story of America? You know, whereas now it's like, oh, now it's healthcare for Amazon Prime customers too, I guess. I know we've talked a lot about this, but obviously a, a topic that is concerning to me at least. Um, it is worth noting that Amazon has abandoned two other like healthcare related efforts in the past. Uh, there was like Haven, which was a corporate healthcare focused collaboration with JP Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway, according to this Washington Post, excuse me, article, and Amazon Care. Uh, which was a mobile in-home primary yes, care service yeah. was shut down last year as well. So to me, that is useful. You know, like getting doctors. That is useful. There's so many yeah. people who don't have exactly. There's so many people who can't leave their homes to see a doctor or don't want to. This would be so much. I know other like startups or other uh, healthcare tech companies are trying to do similar things. Um, so there's hope there yet. There's hope, and Amazon is also running something called Amazon Clinic, which is another telehealth service. Um, I, I'm so confused by a lot of this because One Medical apparently does take insurance and Amazon Clinic doesn't take insurance. And like, that's a whole other thing too. Um, man, we just have a disaster of a system in America. Stay healthy, everybody. Just do it. Good God. In other other news real quick, uh, Rockstar has confirmed that Grand Theft Auto 6, uh, you know, we, we knew they were working on it, but they have confirmed the trailer is coming in early December following a report by Bloomberg who basically spilled all the beans. Spilled all the beans. Like, um... Bloomberg announced that uh, this week Rockstar was going to say a trailer was coming in December. And we were just talking about a trailer here. I know it's very silly to talk about <laughs> a trailer potentially arriving in December for a game yeah. that's going to come out who knows when. But this is Rockstar. This is Grand Theft Auto. Kind of a big deal. And uh, yeah, people love people love it. Let's move on to uh, yeah around in Gadget. We just want to highlight uh sam rutherford's hp specter fold review which is hp's really premium uh foldable laptop it's a foldable two-in-one laptop very much like the the lenovo one we saw last year i think or earlier this year this thing seems cool it's also five thousand dollars i yeah okay don't buy first gen don't buy first gen (laughs) when you see the price don't buy that price yeah What's really impressive to me here is that when it's folded, the Spectre Fold looks like a Spectre laptop, which are premium ultra portables, the top of HP's line. Uh, they they look sleek. They look really like well done. I mean, the bezels are a little thicker than HP's normal laptops would be, but damn, these. I mean, this thing looks good. It doesn't have like duct taped hinges like, <laughs> like I think the Lenovo. Types of Lenovo's. <laughs> yeah. Poor. It, to be fair and to be clear, mm-hmm. Lenovo didn't actually use duct tape on its like I, prototypes. You, I it do remember seeing to me pro- some like prototypes that looked like tape. Yeah, right. It felt like duct tape. It wasn't like, and it was just like, okay. So it, it, HP's clearly been working on this for a while. It's impressive. Sam seems to really like it a lot. He goes as far as to say that this is the cutting edge, like the showcase for what these 
foldable screen two-in-ones can be. Um, but obviously, you're not going to spend five thousand dollars on this. Who is? It's Jesus. Um, what's, it's yeah. The, yeah. This, it has a 17-inch screen and OLED panel, uh, which seems pretty bright. But it just, can be folded down into like a twelve. Just and a to half contextualize inch this, yeah. five thousand dollars can buy you a Vision Pro and a half. You know, <laughs> like Vision Pro and a MacBook Air. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway. Yeah, that's um, I, good job, HP. Question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question mark. Oh. But it's exciting. It's exciting for the future of laptops for sure. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll see other... I mean, we've seen Dell have their prototype. We've seen Lenovo try. We've seen Asus, you know, have ZenBook Foldy type uh, laptop screen type things. It, it is garnering interest, that's for sure. It's interesting. I'm sure not many people are going to buy this. This isn't... HP isn't saying like, hey, buy this instead of one of our Spectre Ultra Portables. It's more like, hey, would you like to play around with this? Would you like to be our guinea pigs and spend $5,000 and uh, we will take a lot of do your Do you have feedback? the money to spare? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, really do you want to be it. seen with this thing or also does the money not even matter to you? Then, you know... Are you a billionaire? Are you a billionaire? Yeah. This is going to pop up on a TV show somewhere at some point, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on mm-hmm. to what we're working on. Um... I, I got a bunch of things I'm juggling right now. I'm testing S- X-Reels Air 2. Um, I don't know what you're going to call them. Mixed reality glasses at this point. I still need to get the prescription lenses. Uh, but that's the thing I'm really looking at. Uh, X-Reels is a really interesting company. They used to be called Nreal. We have liked some of their goggles before, but I also feel like it's a very specific thing. They have to be plugged into devices. You need to use like a special uh, dongle if you want to get... Um, I think a switch or something connected to it as well. Like there's, it's not just like simple plug and play mixed reality, but I'm going to test it out and see how it goes. Anything oh, on your okay. end, I, I have the Lenovo Legion Go I, that I picked up uh, at the same time that Sam did. I've just been playing around with it to see I can if I can support him in, you know, producing that review. Um, but I'm, I, I think I'm in a zone where I'm properly f- transitioning over to editing more than writing. So I've been editing a bunch of reviews this week. And uh, getting bogged down by admin stuff like expenses and booking travel and that sort of stuff. Love it. Love to be a human who needs an assistant but can't <laughs> can't get one. Maybe AI can soon be our assistant, Sherlyn. Like Ooh, that is. Maybe I can retire my brain. Yeah, retire your brain. We're gonna talk more about that stuff, but I, I will say, like sitting and plugging in a podcast episode and having uh, Mac Whisper spit out a dead-on accurate transcription. You know, I I said it to go the slowest possible. And 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, I like I sent this to an intern and got, got the work done in two hours or something. So you're getting me excited. AI yeah, can <laughs> help us. AI can help us, folks, but we got to like pick and choose our battles here. Okay, let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. What do you got, Sherlyn? I've been staying away from two, like, um, uh, overstimulating things although the recommendation i have for y'all this week is kind of stimulating but uh in general i've been spending some of my downtime you know crocheting while listening to podcasts or like just having something dumb in the background but still crocheting um in sort of response to the question i asked last time i was on like what's a good gift idea i'm like oh handmade things maybe anyway the recommendation i have for y'all this week though is if you haven't already watched this show it's on hbo or max now um, it is ridiculous, and I want to see your reaction, Devendra, when I tell you to watch Naked Attraction. Have you? I've, I've heard have of I this. talked about this yet? I don't know if you've talked about it, but okay. I have heard about it. Yeah, can't remember if I've talked about it. I've <laughs> talked about it to so many people in the past. Can't remember who I've told. Um, it is a British dating reality show in which, in each episode, 
contestants come in, and it's one contestant each round, and they're presented with six candidates hidden behind frosted glass panels. Behind these glass panels, each of their potential match yes. yeah. uh, is fully nude. And uh, these frosted glass panels go up each round. So in the first round, all you see is their bottom genitalia. And you have to decide who you want to cut out based on what you've seen. <laughs> you start there. Okay. You start at the pubal region. I mean, and fair then warning. Like, you know, just, yeah, sure. Right, fair warning. This is fully X-rated, fully do not watch it with your kids around. And then anyway, second round, the, the frosted glass panel lifts up higher and goes up to your chestal area. And then the third round, you see the face. The fourth round, you kind of hear what they say, hear their voice. It's sort of, you know, in the line of like great British dating shows, it kind of asks what, first of all, it makes people very squeamish. But second of all, it's like, what are your, what are, what are you attracted to? And what are your yeses and nos and, and, and you know, turnoffs in a very like, on superficial and yet trying to not be like superficial manner. Tinder, I think, the dating show, basically. Oh my god! No, it's 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 the joy of this is watch. It's not seeing all the gen- different genitalia, even though that is kind of part of it, right? Uh-huh. It's the spectacle. the 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 best part of it for me, anyway, has been watching people like reject people based on specific like body parts and still be like nah it was your stance no nah, i just don't like people who are a certain listen hygiene, have, like, says, hygiene says a lot if you take one look and you're like also don't want to touch that that's probably a good also sign. that i yeah. can i can only tell you that the, the best thing about this show is i can't smell anyone so that's great um but yeah naked attraction is on max and it's if you're from the uk or whatever you you'll know it's been around on british television for a while now i hear so there's like seven or eight seasons on max uh, it's it's a, it's a fun mind numbing sort of show. Maybe my show's not as fun, Trillin, but it is something that I think you'll enjoy. It's a show. It's an animated series called Blue Eye Samurai. It is on Netflix right now. It's created by Amber Noizumi and Michael Green. And uh, Michael Green is a really interesting writer. I've liked pretty much everything he's done. He wrote Logan. He wrote Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And um, this is a show set in like um, I think Edo period Japan. It's about a, a young samurai, a mixed-race samurai, which is a rare thing to find back then when Japan had closed all of its borders. Um, they are on a quest for revenge. That is all I'll say. But it is, of course, but like a classic samurai show. Like, the revenge is bloody, and it's very, very entertaining. And the the main character, Mizu, I think is really, really interesting because they're somebody who's basically an outcast uh, to to be a mixed-race person in Japan at that time. Not good for you, socially. Um, if you have piercing blue eyes, everybody will think you're a monster, you know? So it's about them trying to deal with uh, with that. And I will say the pitch for this is is sort of like, well, I don't don't really care about i don't know some of this like it it does feel like almost like a white person's way to to get like a perspective in this story but i will say it's more than that it is um i was skeptical at first it has wonderful animation it is a 3d cg animated show too so it's not it's not anime but it has like a very specific print that looks similar to the old um i don't know if you've seen like old classic uh japanese puppet shows Lynn. Um, it's a lot like that. The ones with like the really large puppets, it looks like that. The action is really, really cool. Um, they also did like some actual cinematic techniques to to get this stuff looking good, right? They did previs work because if you're shooting, if you're doing 3D CG, you can actually prep it like an action movie, like a live action movie. Um, 
the choreography is excellent. I think the writing is really well done. I think the characters are very compelling. If you like just wandering samurai stories, there's been so much anime about this. There have been many, many movies. Um, this is very much in that like Chambara genre of just like really bloody, really large scale fights and an unstoppable warrior seeing them go against, you know, an army of people. I think it's really entertaining. And I like action. I like good action choreography. There's some really good stuff in here. Just like the way it's shot, the way it's executed. There's a point where um, the main character is just like really showing off against a group of bad guys with a kendo sword. Um, smacks one guy so hard in in the face, his teeth get embedded in the kendo sword and they spin around and just like projectile shoot those teeth to another group of bad guys. Just really cool, brutal stuff. And uh, if you like any any sort of like samurai stories i think this will be really really compelling i do think it's fascinating last week i talked about pluto which is a straight-up anime series on netflix which is also great very cool to see like some sort of animation renaissance happening right now on netflix and other services so uh we did talk about them gutting so many of their animation studios i don't know like if the folks behind blue eye samurai fell victim to that but the show is very good so if you want to like prove that you want to see more things like this you got to watch it folks Check out Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix. Also, as a sort of pick, uh, I forgot to mention, folks, that I did a bonus episode. I did an interview with uh, Joe Hunting. I did an interview with Joe Hunting for the Engadget podcast. Uh, you can find that on our feed uh, if you're not subscribed to us. He's the director of We Met in Virtual Reality, and he's starting a VR film studio. And I, I think it's kind of cool. You know, We Met in Virtual Reality is a great film. I wrote it up. Uh, on the site last year you can watch it now on max it is a documentary shot entirely inside of vr chat and he's basically building a studio to you know create more things like that and to help other creators also film inside of vr so very compelling stuff check out our chat well that's it for the episode everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer dale north our outro music is by our very own terence o'brien this podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on... Where, where at this point? Mastodon, Blue Sky, still on Twitter. And I talk about movies and TV at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me what you think should truly be Engadget's motto, you can send them to cher at engadget.com or hit me up on uh, threads, I guess, at Instagram C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-S-T-A-G-R-A-M. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. 16 gigabytes of RAM or go home, folks. For the most part, I can do a lot of my job. Like even on the phone, sometimes I'll be on the toilet and editing.